with you in that circumstance exactly. And those, I believe, should be reminders that there is a pretty amazing God that designed you. Just little things that we would, we would consider them little along the way. You're, you're trying to process them at work, and all of a sudden it, it's clear to you. That's, that's, a, that's a thinking. That's a divine God-brain moment. Here's another aspect that goes a little deeper. How, how did we arrive at the understanding of God? How did, we, how did we figure out there's a God? You say, well, he told us. Uh-huh. I believe that, but some people don't. I believe God told us. But even God telling us, we still have to process this and think about it. Because you have to decide what you think. Not what somebody told you. Not, not how your grandmother thought about this. But what do you think? You've got the whole Bible, and you can go anywhere in the Bible and look at any story, anything, which gives us an aspect of God and an aspect of who we are and also his creation, his his. Uh, plan, his, his uh, mission of God, Missio Dei, all the, those three things, God, us, and God's plan all wrapped up together, but you have to decide what you're going to do with that. Is it something you're going to pursue? Is it not? How much, how much um, of God's word do you believe? Do you, not, do you realize that every single people group that's ever existed, this is an anthropological thing, there's never been a people group ever found, any existence of them ever found, that it did not include some type of God and worship of God element within their, spiritual, within their um, human context. This is one of the reasons when people say, well, I don't believe in God. I, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't, when they say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, I always tell them, I don't believe you makes them upset. And they, sometimes I'll say, I don't believe in you, just, you know, just to... That's one a little bit. But I don't think there is such a thing as an atheist. Why? Because God put this ability within you to think, process, and know this creativeness, this critical thinking, this understanding, and it is directly tied to everything about you, including your spirituality. So when you say, I don't believe in God, you are just defining for me what you consider your spirituality, which, it, which means to me, when people say that, it means I have a religion of denying God. You still believe in him, but your religion is, I'm not going to have a religion. But here's the thing. You're still a spiritual person. God still designs you that way. He put it in your heart, your spirit, your brain, and you can never get away from it. That's how simple that is. So, I believe that thoughts and being are the exact same thing. I don't think you can separate the two. I don't think you can say, um, well, this is who I am, but that's not how I think. Right? Here's, let me give you a kind of a, an example of this. It's a little bit farther detached, and it, it potentially can have some truth to it, but I don't, I'm not buying it usually. When, um, when politicians say something wrong and then they come back and try to make it right and apologize, they don't usually apologize. What they say is, um, that is not who I am. Uh, that is not how I think or believe, and I shouldn't have said that. And I want to say, mm, not true. I don't care what you say. That's not true. I understand we can slip up sometimes and say some things that we don't mean, but that's not usually what is going on in those moments. They actually got caught saying what they really do mean. And they're like, whoa, didn't want that out there. 
So how do we grow and develop as a human being? And then another part of the question was, how do we grow and develop as a Christian? I'm not saying you tell me the spiritual disciplines. That's not what I'm saying. That's the, that's the, um, that's the process. What I'm saying is, how does it happen? We don't really know this. We don't really understand this. How do, how, how, first, how do you get forgiven by the blood of Jesus and you're completely clean of your sins, forgiven of your sins and cleansed of that? I know that by faith. I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. That one day, I'm, I've experienced it. I know it's true. But one day, I'm a sinner. The very next moment, I am completely free and clean of my sin. I know that. I know what it feels like. I have no clue how that happens. Now, I'm not needing a, 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 a sermon on the blood of Jesus. And I, know the, I know the information. I don't know how that happens. I felt freedom. I don't know how it happens. Okay? This is one of the things about God designing us as critical thinkers. Really processing and thinking, introspection really pushes against comfort, doesn't it? It really pushes against us. I saw a, t- a quote from Thomas Sowell this week, which I thought was good. I'm not going to quote it, but this is what he said. Um, if, you, if all you do is nothing, nobody will ever be upset. It's when you really begin to, to step up and really think about life and do things that people start getting upset. Because there's something going on. It's a thought process. It reverts to action. There's more to this. When you begin to think, this is also why I think we have so much stuff and information activity all the time. This is why I think it's so difficult. Satan has made sure that we have social media and cell phones and everything 24-7, blah, 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 24-7. And, and people walk around with their earbuds in their ear all the time just in case for some reason they might need something going into their ears. I don't understand that. I had a long conversation with a guy the other day in the bathroom at Lifetime, and I realized he's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else on the phone. And I'm just answering, yeah, yeah, my wife's fine. Yeah, she's, do I know you? You know, I don't, but we have to have so much input, 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 input. Why? I think this is one of the ploys that Satan uses to try to keep us from actually calming everything down enough that your thinking begins to turn inward. Because that's, that's where stuff starts happening. It's when it turns inward. Because introspection is very uncomfortable. It pushes. It pushes that we would change. It pushes to think that maybe, maybe not everybody else on the planet's wrong. Maybe you are. We don't like that. And, and something else I, I think we don't process is <clears throat> why would we ever think inwardly if, if there was no ability to actually change? Wouldn't that just be like an ongoing nightmare? You recognize your problems, but there's no hope? That's horrible. Not only can we recognize our issues and our problems, if you'll take the time but you can also do something about it. God gave us the ability to think and to deeply think and to process and to deeply process. And this is what makes being a human being such an amazing thing, in my opinion. It's not always great, but when it is, it is. 
Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to show you some things to think about. Now, I've processed some of this with us before, but I want to expand it out just a little bit and be a little more analytical in the, in the thinking of this, okay? Um, the first thing is, is there a God, and uh, what do I think about him? Those are two different things. Is there a God? Well, m- many people, most people would say, yes, there's a God. That, that's not really the question. The question is, if there is a God, what do I think about him? What do I think? What am I processing? How am I processing this? What bearing does it have on anything? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. That is, that is a, that's the starting point. This is why there is Genesis 1. This is why this is the beginning of the book, is because God is explaining the beginning. Now, he's not explaining all beginning. He's explaining our beginning, our existence, our limitedness. This is not, God is not limited to this eight to 10,000 years that this earth has existed, which, by the way, I strongly believe that. I believe in what's called Uh, I'm a young earther. I strongly believe the earth is at max 10,000 years old. And, and And I can prove that in so many scientific ways that's out there right now. If you don't, if you want to know that, Google that stuff. I'll give you some keys. The size of the sun is a major one. Just, I'm not going to tell you, you Google it. But here's the thing. Do you believe that you were created in the image of God? Because here's the thing. I meet a lot of Christians that say things like, oh, yes, I believe that I was created in the image. I believe in the Genesis story. I believe in Adam and Eve. But then everything else about what they say says they don't believe in this story. And they don't believe in Adam and Eve. Let me, let me show you. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. It's amazing to me how many Christians I meet that believe that God created us in his image, but they will defend animals more than they will defend humans. And Christians that don't believe that we are in control of the animals, that we're in charge of them. People will chain themselves to a tree to protect an owl while we're killing babies by the millions. So to me, you're not, you're not reading verse 26. You're not believing verse 26. You're not living verse 26. Don't get me wrong. I love animals. Most of the time, I prefer to grill them. But sometimes, you can bake them. You can smoke them. You can do lots of things. But I love animals. I don't want you to think I'm anti-animal. I am definitely not. Now, I don't like those people that make coats out of them. Unless they're leather. I like that. But I don't like fur coats because that's just cruel. (laughs) They will reign over all these animals. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. How? Mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, and even physically. Although I really believe that physically we're the least in the image of God. That's how we think about it. But I think that's actually the least. I think we're more mental, emotional, and spiritual. Why? Because that part of us will live forever. The physical part, we get new ones. Right? Okay. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now let's jump down to chapter 2, verse 7. 
Because here is where it gets a little more. If we just left it, you know Genesis 1 is the, like the, the big picture of the story. And then Genesis 2 comes back and gives you the details, right? Sometimes people get confused when they read that. Were there like two creations or whatever? No. Um, this is more of the details. So chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Okay, here's the question. Do you believe that? He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So do you believe that? Do you believe this is allegory? If you don't believe that the Genesis account is true and factual, then everything I'm saying here is academic. It's moot. It doesn't mean anything. But I believe Genesis. I don't think it's an allegory about humankind. I don't think it's some kind of metaphor for how we're supposed to look at ourselves. I believe it's what happened. I believe Adam and Eve were real people named Adam and Eve. Two people, real ones. Now you say, why does that matter? Here's the thing. We are having so much. You'd be amazed right now if you just started Googling this and looking across the landscape of Christian leadership in America, pastors, book writers, teachers, all this kind of stuff. How many of them believe in an evolutionary Christianity? Evolutionary creationism, not Christianity. Creationism. In other words... God, God gave us primordial soup and then backed off and let it kind of grow into humans. Okay? So, so here's the problem. One, in fact, one of the guys, I, I greatly respect this man. I, I am, in fact, I'm going to be um, part of a conference in a few months that he's uh, going to be at. Um, I think he's an amazing teacher, guy, person, writer, historian. Um, Eric Metaxas. I love this guy. Absolutely love him. Love everything he writes. But he believes that the earth is about uh, 1.8 billion years old and that we evolved. He, he, he said that, he explained that in one of the um, uh, Socrates in the City series. But I have a problem with that because here's the reason. I think he has bought into the not critical thinking mentality about this subject. Not about most subjects. He's an amazingly critical thinker. But for some reason, with creation... now. He is Catholic and his background is Catholic, and that does have a bearing there when it comes to how you look at the big picture sometimes. But um, he hasn't looked at this. Let me read this again. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. Did God create a, a human from the dust, or did we evolve? Either that sentence is true, or it's not. You either believe it's true or you believe it's allegory or something else. And if you believe it's allegory, then where in the Bible does it start becoming truth? Because the moment you say, I don't believe the Bible is factual, then when does it become factual? Is there facts in it? Because the Bible says of itself that it is factual. So you have to ask yourself, where does that line draw? Do I believe that the story of Adam and Eve is not right, but by the time we get to Noah, it's true? Or, or the, you know, this is one of the things I've heard people talk about. Well, the, 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 the story, the idea of Noah is in many, many different religious um, concepts, so therefore, it can't be true. Now, here's the proper way to understand that. All those religions took it from the Bible. That's what happened. 
But we just get this weird thinking thing going on. So here's another one. He breathed the life into the man, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. If you believe in evolution, even if God started, stirred up the soup and got it going, if you believe in evolution, then here's some, some big questions. Is the Adam and Eve moment of eating the fruit real or not? Because if it is, they evolved to that. What happened a few weeks, few months, few years, few hundred thousand years before that when monkeys were running around the Garden of Eden eating that fruit left and right? When did one day they say, wait, don't eat that fruit? God said, don't eat it. When did God come to humanity and say, don't eat that fruit? And you say, well, that's just, that's not a true story. It's allegory. Then you don't have salvation today. And if they did not eat that fruit and, and that, that statement by God that Jesus is going to come in Genesis 3, when he says Jesus is going to come and crush the head of the serpent, if, if Adam and Eve didn't eat that fruit, there is no salvation in Jesus Christ. It doesn't exist. Think about this. So, so at what point does it go from, I believe we evolved, or I believe humans existed, or maybe they came. When did the first human ever say, there is such a thing as sin. Because without that, no salvation. Think about what I'm saying. But see, we just embrace this stuff. And we bring it in. We go, no, I believe in evolution. But, but I believe that God started and did. That's just a Christian's way of making it spiritual. Guys, when? When do we stop and critically think about some of this stuff? When did humans realize there was a God? When did God speak to them? Did he ever speak to them? Did they sin? Did they not sin? Was there the fruit? Was there the not fruit? Was the, the garden there? Was it not there? You have to answer that question. Here's some things just physically, just, to, just to, because I'm talking about it. In, in the 150 to 200 years that this whole um, evolutionary process of thinking was in existence, in other words, um, Darwin comes up with this, and then he creates this idea, right? We have been looking for the missing link from, from ape to, it used to be just ape to human. And then they realize there has to be at least six to seven steps in between um, ape to human, right? Of all these six or seven steps, we have no, we have zero, no physical evidence. None. Doesn't exist. Shouldn't, at least, shouldn't there be at least one ape running around with human legs or something? Right? Shouldn't there be at least one? I mean, this has been billions of years. Where is that one of the seven, one missing link? It does not exist. It's never been found. When do we start thinking critically and say, wait a second, this is... This can't be true. This has kind of been, well, it's not kind of been, this has been my argument for the last two and a half years. We know that this stuff has been lied to us about COVID and the vaccine and everything. We know they've been lying to us, but we have been trained. If they call themselves an uh, important person, well, we just believe whatever they say. 
Except that now, now, two and a half years later, everything is coming out where it's all been made up. Oh, yeah, and Fauci has made hundreds of millions of dollars on this. Hundreds. You can look it up. And we just go, well, maybe it's not true. Guys, God designed us to be critical thinkers, and he designed us to be critical thinkers along with prayer and God's word. Getting God's word. What is he saying? What is he saying? And is it true or not true? If you, if you don't believe that the, no, the story of Noah is true, then the story of Jesus probably isn't true either. When do we say, wait, this is truth? Let me show you something in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at us now in a critical thinking mentality. Look at us. Matthew chapter 5. This is the Beatitudes. We're going to go through the Beatitudes, and we're going to go through the next couple chapters just a little bit, a few scriptures. But to look at the Beatitudes, let me read the first one to give us some processing. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, this is a, this is a critical thinking uh, moment. Really, the whole Bible, you've got to know that. The whole Bible is, is to stir your brain to think, not just accept. This is why I say, when Scripture says that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, this is part of the reason that I say on a regular basis, do not take what I say for granted. Look it up. Look it up. And, and some of you do that. You'll, you'll text me or email me later and say, where did you get this from or where did you get this I'll send that to you. I, my natural instinct, though, is, can't you look it up? I don't say that because that would be rude, but I think it. <laughs> so look it up. Test it. Get in the Bible. If I say that the, the, the Bible says this or something, look it up. Don't ever take what somebody else says for granted. It's your soul. It's your eternity. It's your spiritual walk. Why would you leave that up to somebody else? Now, get input. Get stuff. I get a lot of input. In fact, just to let you know this, um, so we've been studying Daniel 2 on Wednesday nights. I take that from about four or five different sources. One of the main sources I take that from is a guy named Joel Richardson. Um, I mentioned this eight or nine years ago. He wrote, he wrote a book called The Islamic Antichrist. Um, I think it was one of the best books ever written. It, it completely changed my thinking um, eschatologically. I mean, completely changed it. I knew, that, I knew I didn't agree with the stances that were out there, but I couldn't figure out why, why. And then he wrote that book, boom, changed my thinking. Well, through some, just some strange things, he's got a friend here in Colorado Springs. He's going to come and speak for us on June the 12th. He's going to be in service with us. I'm really looking forward to that. He's a deep theologian. He's, he gets it. He studies. He gets it. Look at this. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. You don't understand. The way King James says this is better. I don't usually say that. But um, the way King James says it, um, that um, those that are poor in spirit. In other words, it doesn't mean financially poor. I guess you could add that. But God blesses those who are spiritually poor and know it. When you are spiritually poor and you realize your need for Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is yours. That's what he's saying. Now, I'm not going to, the kingdom of heaven is yours is the, is the, um, the like the reward or the, 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 what happens with this, okay? 
Um, I'm not going to focus on those. I'm going to read down through this, and we're just going to focus on the, the first statements, the thinking statements. Okay? Not the, not the response of the thinking, but the thinking. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. God blesses those who mourn. That's a, that's a cognitive decision connected to emotions. Because you don't mourn about everything. You only mourn about some things. Well, that means it's connected to you somehow. There's been a cognitive understanding of something on a different level, and, and you're emoting with that. God blesses those who are humble. Here's a big one. How do you, because God is saying, all these things are what we're supposed to be chasing after. Each one of these sentences is supposed to be chasing after. And so he says, God blesses those who are humble. How do you chase after humility? How do you do that? How do you try to, how do you be more humble? The next, next time you're sitting at dinner with some people, just say, you know what? I am really working on becoming more humble. And then just ask them, depending on how brave you are, just say, what do you think about that? I think one of the funnier, more interesting statements in the Old Testament is the scripture that says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. We know that's a true statement because the Holy Spirit would not let it get in scripture if it wasn't true. But the funny thing about it to me is, who wrote it? Moses. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. I process this a lot of different ways over the years. Justice, morality. I've asked myself, why do I believe abortion is wrong? You say, because it's killing a baby. Yeah, but why do I think that's wrong? Well, of course it's wrong. Yes, of course it's wrong. I'm not disagreeing. But why do I think that? Are you following me? Why do I think that? Because God said it. Without God, killing babies is not wrong. Without the Bible, killing babies is not wrong. They've been, if we evolved, killing babies is not wrong. Some animals eat their babies. If we evolved, killing babies is not a big, neither is killing each other. This is, this is biblical. This is critical thinking. Why do I think what I think? God blesses those who are merciful. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. That's, how do you explain that? That's one of those things I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I know it when I see it. God blesses those who work for peace. What does that mean? Work for peace. Peace at all costs? Nobody actually believes that. Nobody on the planet believes in peace at all costs. Peace is, peace is selective and provide peace in there. Jesus did not come to provide peace to humanity. He came to provide peace in their spirit in relationship to God. Sometimes that means they're not going to be in peace with humanity. He explains that. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. What is right? Nowadays, you define right however you want to. It's relative. Subjective. But I don't choose what's right. God chooses it. So if I'm going to decide, if I'm going to do right, it has to match up with the word of God. Not me. Not what I think. I lie to myself. You, you lie to yourself. But if God tells us, then it's right. 
Let me jump down to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman has lu- with lust has already committed adultery within his heart. You know, every one of us in this room knows what that is. Um, and by the way, that's not just a guy thing, that's a guy and girl thing. Okay? He's talking about guys here because guys do, it, do that easier by looking. Okay? Women are not as visual, and so theirs is a little more convoluted and whatever. So... But we all know what this is. We all know where our heart can get wrong. We all know this. God God says it, but we already get it. Matthew chapter 6, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Every one of us in here knows what that is. You know what it is to have money be something that becomes more important at different times in your life, even to the point where it can begin to try to control you and to rule you. Every one of us know what that feels like. Now, some people are more have a more propensity toward money. Some people don't. Um, Some people like money means nothing, and some people money is the everything in their life. Um, Somewhere, somewhere on the scale in there that. It makes me a holy pastor is where I am in there. So we all know, we all know what enslavement to money is. Doesn't mean you're all guilty of it, but we all know, right? Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And then Jesus says, hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Every one of us get this. We're supposed to be spending most of our time, if not pretty much all of our time, focusing on the log in our own eye. But how easy is it as human beings to make a conscious choice to not do that, but to focus on the speck in somebody else's eye? We know what that feels like. We know what that looks like. But we struggle with that as human beings. Why? I I think we just get caught up in the stuff instead of stopping and saying, wait a second, this is what God's word says. I'm going to do what God's word says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings, my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Because when do we just obey what he says? Do what he says. This is, this is something that I believe this critical thinking stuff has done to the church too, is we come up with all kinds of layers of I don't have to, I don't need to, and they're called excuses. Why I don't have to commit. Why I don't have to be all in. Why I don't have to serve God completely. And then when difficulties come in our life, we're kind of caught in that sifting sand kind of mentality because we haven't, we haven't been all in. We haven't been building this the way we're supposed to. When the rains and floods come, the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Why don't you stand with me? God gives me the opportunity to choose him and his plan. God gives me the opportunity to pray and worship. God gives me the opportunity to study his word. God gives me the opportunity to obey his calling. 
God gives me the opportunity to give him all my stuff. And God gives me the opportunity to give him my life completely. We have to make that call. Why don't you bow your head? Lord, we just submit ourselves, this moment, our minds, to you. Jesus, you created my brain. You created me with the ability to, to truly think through stuff. Lord, you gave me the ability to, to know who you are and to know you better every single day. You gave me the ability to analyze your word about you. God, you gave me the ability to assess whether I think this is true or not. So Lord, I pray for me and I pray for every one of us in here. If we decide that this is true, help us to be all in. God, we've got tomorrow and the next day that things are going to be happening. We've got to be all in with you. We've got to be all in. Lord, there are decisions that we are making. We've got to be all in. So if you've got something right now, <clears throat> you're saying, I've got to have, I've got to have insight. I've got to have knowledge. I've got to have wisdom. I've got to have discernment. I don't know. Work, marriage, family, life, whatever. God knows that already, and he can give you that information. He can help you, but you, but you got to go after that. So if you say, that's me, just right where you are, just raise your hand. Say, I, I need, I need this. I need, I need direction. I need to help make a decision. I need something. I need knowledge. I need wisdom. I need this right now. I'm going to have people come and pray for you. So, so put your hand up and hold it up. I know that just got a lot more uncomfortable for you. But we want to have people come stand around you and just, and just pray with you. And just believe that God can do something here. So you guys look around, see somebody with their hand up. And um, just go and pray with them. Just believe that God can show them. God knows what it is. God knows the information. God's got it. All you have to do is just say, okay, God, we, we, we pray that you show them. We pray. God, we lift this up to you. You are amazing, God. You, you are all-knowing. You are all-powerful. Lord, we know that you already know the information. So, Lord, all we just need is for you to, to, to show us, to speak to us, to guide us, to lead us, to, to tell us what's happening. Lord, maybe the next step, maybe the next two or three steps, maybe a whole plan, God, that you are unfolding to us. God, give us wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom that, that comes deeper than just information. And God, we need discernment to know what you're saying and, and the difference between your voice and our voice. Lord, we need this got to have you in the name of Jesus. God, for parents that are trying to figure out what's next, for these graduates that are trying to figure out what's next, God, you're so, you're so much about telling us. You're so much about that. Lord, help us. Help us to, to 
to cut through all the stuff and just hear you. Lord, help us to quieten our life so that we can hear you. And God, you've showed us your word. Help us to truly think through this. If I believe you're real, then I have to believe you want to tell me what's going on. I have to believe that you will guide me and lead me. In the name of Jesus. Lord, show us through this week different times, moments. Just let it be a, just an epiphany for us, a little revelation. And I'm thinking through something. I'm having a little um, God-connecting moment. You're doing something through me. You're, you're doing something bigger than me through me. You gave me knowledge or understanding. You showed me something. You gave me compassion. Lord, that you had, you gave me a little moment of you. Thank you for this. God, show us all through this week. When those moments happen, bring it to our, our mind. This is, this is that moment. And then, God, we pursue you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Share Jesus, his love, his, his word with them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shook somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here, even if you have to make it up. And we will see you Wednesday night.